Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Um, you know, up here with, with the weather, the way it is, sometimes things happen like they do on Wednesday night, and I, I hate it, and that's one of the reasons I kind of wait to the last minute to, to make the, the call, and I appreciate you understanding this. Uh, my son Matt mentioned something to me because he, you know, part of what he does is social media, and he said, Dad, there, there's something you can do that, you know, that might be a help to people. He says, when you do have to uh, cancel a service like that, he said, you, you could have a Facebook service. He said, you already have a Facebook page. And just like we broadcast sometimes live, I could do that from home. So it, it may be in the future that we don't have a service yet. You know, we could send out an SK notify and tell you to tune in to the church Facebook page. And, you know, if it's a Wednesday night, for example, you know, we, we, I could do prayer requests with you. I mean, it'd just be one way. I couldn't hear from you, but I could share, bring you up to date on people. Uh, so that, that's a real possibility. And hopefully, you know, canceled services will be at a minimum. But we could still, you know, share a devotion with you. So we're going to see if we can make that happen. So in the future, when there is a canceled service, it won't be a total loss if we can send out a notice and say, hey, go to our Facebook page, say it's 7 o'clock, and, you know, we can update you on prayer requests and share a devotion with you. And I just thought that was a great idea, and we'll see if um, we can make that happen in the future. Hopefully, uh, we can keep these cancellations to to a minimum, but that would be better than not meeting at all. Because I love our church family. I know you love each other, and if, even if we can connect, you know, for a short period of time that way, that would be that would be a good thing. <clears throat> uh, the message this afternoon is entitled "Kingdoms in Conflict: Spirit versus the Flesh." This morning, I told you very clearly my purpose, to try to move people to the next level, wherever you are to get you to the next level. Because, you know, flesh, Satan, the world, they'd be happy for you not only to stay at the level you are, but to regress. That would suit them just fine. This afternoon, it's a different focus. This afternoon is designed to be an encouragement to you. And I think you'll see exactly what I'm talking about as we get into the message. But I want to be an encouragement You know, the Christian life is the best life there is. Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But that doesn't mean it's always easy. And that doesn't mean it doesn't come with some challenges. So let's look at a particular challenge that the Lord gave to his, uh, at least some of his apostles, and they messed it up. He asked them to do something, and they blew it. Now, the good news is the Lord puts it in perspective. Because, as you're going to see, in some ways, we're like the apostles. He asked us to do some things, and and we want to do it. And yet, we don't. We falter, or we fall short. That can be very debilitating. That can be very frustrating. So it's important that we have the proper perspective. And thankfully, 
our, our Savior is going to share that with us right now. Matthew 26, verse number 36. <clears throat> then cometh Jesus with them, that is, his apostles, unto a place called Gethsemane. Okay, this is the night before his crucifixion. They've had the Lord's Supper. Now he's going out into the garden to pray. He takes his apostles with him, or some of his apostles with him. And he says to them this, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. I mean, remember, he's God in the flesh. He's as much God as though he were not man, but he's as much man as though he were not God. So this is weighing heavy on him. He's, he's, he knows what's coming. <clears throat> Verse number 38. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here. Now he's giving them instructions. And watch with me. Simply stated, I, I, I was wondering, what does that mean? And most commentators think he means, I just want you to watch. Be, be on the alert. Be, be careful as to what's going on around us. He's going to go and pray. You, you guys are on watch. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou, thou wilt. Then verse number 40. And he cometh unto the disciples. After he goes and prays, he comes back where he left them. They're supposed to be watching. And findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, then he tells them. Here's the instructions. This is what we're going to focus on, verse 41. Here's what he tells them. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And then he tells them this, and this will help you. This will help all of us. He puts it in perspective, what just happened. He tells them to do something, and they fail. He explains it right here. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you go away this afternoon with a better understanding of that phrase right there, you're going to go away a stronger Christian. In this passage, Jesus gives them some simple instructions. He said, you stay right here, you sit here, you are on alert. I want you to watch. He's feeling the weight of the world upon his shoulders, to say it lightly. He comes back. Perhaps from the distance, he might have even heard them snoring. Whatever the case, we do know they were asleep. They did not do what he asked them to do. The apostles, mind you. These are apostles. They've been walking with him for three years. They have seen his miraculous power and the miracles. You would think they would be on full alert if he says, stay here, watch, I'll be back. You would have thought that would have been motivation enough. But even knowing what they knew and having experienced what they experienced, these men, handpicked by him, were asleep They failed to do what he'd asked them to do. He asked them to stay up in the middle of the night. Yeah, they were tired. Yeah, they felt the weight of the world on their shoulders too. As I read this, I thought to myself that we, those of us here at My Old Baptist Church, we can relate to this. At least I know I can. 
I can relate to these apostles, maybe on a daily basis. I mean, that night, in a very practical way, they failed Jesus. They, they, they failed him. They did not do what he asked them to do. That sounds a lot like us today. For example, he teaches us to be humble. Yet, don't we often struggle with pride? Well, I got my feelings hurt, or I didn't get chosen, or I think it ought to be this way. He tells us to live holy, and yet we fall into sin. I shouldn't have watched that. I knew I shouldn't have read that. I know I shouldn't have gone there. I know I shouldn't have listened to that. He asks us to do daily devotions. And we fully intend to. We know it's right. We wouldn't argue with him. We wouldn't argue with the pastor. Sure, daily devotions are good. And yet, we're just so busy. He emphasizes prayer. I mean, from cover to cover, that's the great theme of this book, prayer. Yet, isn't it true that that's one of the areas of most people's greatest struggle? We want to pray, but oftentimes we put it on the back burner. We're a lot like those apostles that night. That he said, watch for me. Sit here, watch, wait. And he comes back, and they're asleep. He expects us to tithe and be generous. And and, and we fully intend to, but yet we think we can't afford it. So we don't do what he tells us to do. He actually commands us to be witnesses Yet, that is so scary, and maybe one of these days I'll be able to do it. But right now, am I doing it? No. Did he ask me to do it? Yes. Do I want to do it? Sure. He admonishes us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And yet, we can always come up with some good reason why we can't. We, we, we know we should. We, you know, Wednesday night, we, we know we should be in church. Sunday school was sure. Again, he's taught us that. Just like he asked them to sit and watch. His word tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And as they disobeyed by falling asleep, we disobey by simply not showing up. He encourages us to use our giftedness for ministry. Yet we just don't have the time. He wants us to be people of great faith, and he tells us and encourages us through his word, and yet we still are prone to fret and worry and be filled with all sorts of anxiety. We're disobeying, like the apostles that night. He wants us to die to self. He tells us to die to self through his word, and yet that's really, really hard. Do we know it's best? Well, sure we know it's best. Do we want to die to self? Yeah, but I keep messing it up. I keep wanting to have my way and my will. Wanting to obey and yet disobeying can be very frustrating for us Christians. We really are like the apostles that went to sleep when they were instructed of the Lord to watch. But I think it's very helpful for you and I that in this passage, the Lord explains what is going on. And how does it go, Sharon, in in the the marriage material? 
there are never any excuses for affairs or divorces, but there's always reasons. That's a great quote that Dr. Harley has. There's no excuses for somebody having an affair or somebody getting a divorce, but there's always reasons. That's kind of what we have here. I'm not giving an excuse for our disobedience, but I really believe we struggle like those apostles. There's no excuse for our disobedience, but I think there are reasons for it, and the Lord gives it right here. In that same passage where he is asking them to watch and they don't, he explains it this way. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's not an excuse, but that is an understanding of what's going on. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is the intersection of spirit and faith. This is an intersection. He's talking about them in the same breath. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Who among us can't identify with that? Who among us has trouble understanding that? It's an intersection of spirit and faith. But like a lot of intersections, that's a dangerous intersection right there. We're spirit that wants to do right. finds itself with the flesh that is weak, that's the problem. It's the intersection of what you ought to do and what you actually do. Who among us can't identify between the intersection of our spirit that wants to do right and our flesh that doesn't? That was true of the apostles. The apostles, folks. He, he is speaking of the apostles. And, of course, it's been preserved and it's been recorded and then preserved for all of history because, in actuality, it applies to every person in this room. I like this quote from Albert Barnes. Concerning that phrase, he says, The spirit indeed is willing. The mind... The disposition is ready and disposed to bear these trials, but the flesh, the natural feelings, through the fear of danger, is weak and will be likely to lead you astray when the trials come. I think every serious Christian in this room knows God's commands and wants to do God's commands. But we also, myself included, by the way, find ourselves like the apostles falling short sometimes. We're asleep on the job. The good news is, the beginning of that verse says this, and this is the answer. This is, this is what we need to do to minimize us faltering. I mean, we're not going to be perfect till we're in heaven, right? But hopefully we can minimize our, our faults. We can minimize our faltering. We can minimize our, our disappointment to the Lord. And the key to that is the first part of verse 41 that says, Watch and pray. Watch and pray 
that ye enter not into temptation. Watch and pray. That, that is key, folks. That is absolutely key. And we need to commit our, we, we don't need to get frustrated because we fall short because we are. That needs to motivate us to take what that verse says right there and put it into practice. Let me read you a quote from J.C. Ryle. He says, if we know anything of true religion, let us never forget this lesson. If we desire a strong walk with God and not to fall like David or Peter, let us never forget to watch and pray. You want to go home a better Christian this afternoon than when you came? Where you are less likely to falter in the future? Then watch and pray. Let us live like men and, of course, women. In enemy territory, that's what it means to watch. You're in enemy territory. Realize that this world is filled with booby traps of temptation. Let us live like men in enemy territory, aliens and strangers, and be always on our guard. We cannot walk too carefully. We cannot be too jealous over our souls. And then he says, the world is very ensnaring. The devil is very busy. Let our Lord's words ring in our ears daily like a trumpet. Our spirits may sometimes be very willing, but our bodies are also very weak. Then let us always watch and pray. That is the key. I found this. I want to share it with you. Watchfulness and prayer are inseparable. The one discerns the danger. That's watching. Watching discerns that I can't go there. I I can't do that. No, I, I, I can't think that. That kind of discerning Christian is well ahead of the, discerning, of the non-discerning Christian that just goes on down the road, you know, oblivious to the, to the threats that are out there. And before you know it, you, you've got an unwed mom, you, you've got an undesired pregnancy, you've got all these issues, and it's passed on to grandparents and everybody. You know, it's all sorts of things going on there. Watch and pray. The one watching discerns the dangers. That's key. The other, prayer, arms against them. That's the complete package. Goes on to say watchfulness keeps us prayerful, and prayerfulness keeps us watchful. Then it says, to watch without praying is presumptuous. You're going to watch, you're going to be alert, but you're not going to pray. That's presumptuous. To pray without watching, is hypocrisy. Every day we pull up to that intersection. We, we pull up to the intersection there, and we need to understand the dangers that are there at that intersection where the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. The intersection of spirit and flesh. You and I, Today, tomorrow, this week, how many times will we pull up to that dangerous intersection where there's been multiple crashes through the years? Watch and then pray. I said I wanted this to be an encouragement to you, so let me give you some final observations. 
that I want to encourage you with. And again, there's no excuses for doing wrong or faltering, but there's some reasons. But this will encourage you. Understand this from this passage. Good men falter. These, these were apostles. The real question is not whether or not you get knocked down in life. The question is, are you going to get back up? I mean, if the apostles can be knocked down, they were down that night, but they weren't out. And they came back in a big way after the resurrection. And so can you. You and I are going to falter. That, that's, just, that's just a fact. And understand, good men, good women falter. That's not an excuse, but it's a fact. Understand, number two, that men who falter can recover. I mean, these men messed up that night. And I imagine when they woke up, they probably were very much ashamed of themselves and hanging their heads down. But they did come back and were bold in their faith, bold in their preaching, bold in their testimony. And understand, number three, (coughs) this is important. We never graduate from sanctification school. You're learning to be a Christian, and you're growing when you're a newborn Christian at the age of 7, 8, 9, 10. You're growing when you're 35 to 40, and you, and you just keep going. Understand, it's school. It, it, it's sanctification school. Nobody gra- Until you get to heaven, but here on this earth, just, just understand it. The Lord's teaching you. You can, you can learn from, from when you disappoint the Lord. Again, Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This morning I ended with a story. This afternoon I'm going to end with another story. This is entitled, My Achilles Heel. My Achilles Heel. This writer says, this is Vernon Grounds. I guess he's a preacher, don't really know him, but that's who wrote this. He says, listen, nobody is temptation-proof. Even mature Christians have weaknesses in their spiritual armor that make them vulnerable to a wounding attack by the enemy of their souls. The church in Canada that Sharon and I went to a few weeks ago, the pastor, and I can tell you this because it's very public knowledge, pastor there was Brother Greg Baker. Pastor Wall's only been there, what, seven years, did he say, Sharon? Something like that. <coughs> and the reason, the reason that Pastor Wall is there is because Pastor Greg Baker, who, whose influence was growing, he was speaking at all of the big meetings around the country of independent Baptists. He, he, he spoke here. Do any of you remember Greg Baker here? Yeah. Do you know why Brother Bob Wall is pastor there now and not Greg Baker? He took his life. Took his life. Why do I mention that? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes it can be extremely weak. Anyway, this writer says... Nobody is temptation-proof. Even mature Christians have weaknesses in their spiritual armor that make them vulnerable to a wounding attack by the enemy of their souls. Our pride can provide the very opening needed for the sharp thrust of a satanic dart. 
So can the love of money, a quick temper, a critical tongue, or chronic impatience. What, after all, is temptation? It's any enticement to think, say, or do something contrary to God's holy will. It may be a weak impulse or a powerful urge. It's anything that's against what God approve or approves or desires for us. And then he tells the story of Achilles' Hill. And, of course, this is Greek fables, but it illustrates a point. He says, the ancient Greeks told a story of a warrior named Achilles. His mother had been warned that he would die of a wound, so she dipped him as an infant in the river. That was supposed to make him invincible. But she held him by one heel, which the protective waters didn't cover. So in in mythology, if she dipped him into the water, then you couldn't hurt him. But he had to be totally dipped, but she was holding on to his heel, so his heel didn't get dipped into the water. I didn't know this story before. I read, I've always heard of Achilles' heel, You've got to, and you knew it was a sign of weakness. But anyway, but she held him by one heel, which the protective waters didn't cover. And it was through that heel that he received his fatal wound. Each of us must ask, What is my Achilles heel? We need to know our weaknesses, where we can be easily wounded spiritually. Then, as we rely on the Lord for his help, we will be protected from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Therefore, as it says behind me, watch and pray. We all have an Achilles heel. And I really believe with my 40 years of experience in ministry, it can be different for each one of us. Each one of us have a, have a weak spot in our armor. I really believe that, and you, and you know that to be true. And what may be my weak spot may not be yours and, and vice versa. So understanding that intersection that we drive up to multiple times a day, we need to be prepared And what we need to do is watch, pray, and proceed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.